if you don't know who I am, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, I'm privileged to be part of this awesome ministry. Aren't you guys thankful for our church and our pastors? So thankful for them. Got a, we got a great church, we got a great pastors, and a heart for our city, and a heart for you. And so I never want us to forget that, and we're blessed. We're a blessed church, and we have great people that are part of our church. And um, tonight's going to be a, a great night, and I'm going to be able to just share my heart a little bit with you guys, and really challenge you with some things that I've been challenged with, and some things that I've kind of walked through, and some things that God has shown me over the last couple years that um, have really molded me and made me be who I am today and some things that I think will be able to really help you as well. But over the last couple of years on Wednesday nights, you guys are a Wednesday night crew, which I want to thank you guys for being so consistent in attending on Wednesday nights. But we've been in a series and we kind of been in a theme called real life. And I've loved that. And I think it's so great that Pastor Tim has had that on his heart because we live real life. Very good. You guys are catching on. So far, so good tonight. So we live real life, and we don't live in a, a picture-perfect world, and, and we um, are, are going through different struggles because we're human and because we go through stuff. And I think it's great that we have um, a church and we have a pastor that wants to keep things relatable for us and wants to help us and challenge us. And I know for me, and I hope for you, that these last couple of years, these Wednesday nights have really challenged me and really helped me and really um, sharpened me to be who God wants me to be and, and really called me out on some things and really woke me up on some things as well and helped us to live this life that we're living right now. And so I am really glad to be here. Um, I, I'm believing God for all of us that he'll just continue to just to show us through some great things through his word to challenge us and to shape us so that when we leave this place tonight, there'll, there'll be some change on the inside of us for us and ourselves, but also reminding us that there's things that I think God wants to show us for ourselves, but then also for the people that maybe we would come in contact with throughout our week in our work, in our home, in our neighborhood, maybe in media somehow, however it would be. But I think, I think that God wants to challenge us with some things that we can challenge others around us. And, and I think it's important for us as Christians to do that. It's not just what happens inside of this, these church walls, but it's what we can maybe build ourselves and the knowledge that we can get to be able to share that with other people. Maybe on your work, on your job, that someone will come up to you and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Instead of looking, with the, looking at them in the eye and saying, well, good luck with that. We can look at them and say, hey, you know, I, I learned this for myself. Or, hey, you know, the, the, the church that I go to is talking about this. And let me help you with this. Or let me pray with you about that. That's our job. It's to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our, in our community. So I want us to keep that in, in our mind tonight as we dig into some of these things. That this is going to be for us. Because we need this. I need this. But it's also going to be for people that maybe we would come in contact with throughout our day. And so, again, this is me just kind of sharing my heart a little bit. And I'm so glad that God has given us the tool of his word. How many of you guys are thankful for God's word? It's a great tool. And he's given that to us. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that, that he just didn't say, hey, go out and just do, what, you know, do whatever and whatever and have a good time, you know, and, and this and that. He said, no, he gave us instructions. And I'm so thankful for that. And throughout the Bible, it, it's full of different instructions. It's full of different things to challenge us, to sharpen us. Um, but it's also full of men and women who God has called and God has chosen and some amazing stories of their lives. And I think, I think God strategically placed certain people in the Bible and certain things for us to know and, and people to connect with that we can relate to. Now, different people throughout the Bible, men and women of the Bible, maybe we can't relate with them on the style of clothing that they wore. We wear a different kind of clothes. Um, I'm thankful that we have running water and indoor plumbing. 
Uh, it's good stuff. Um, I'm glad that we have AC. I'm glad that we have electricity. I'm glad that we have technology. And so maybe we can't relate on those elements. But the, the point that I want to make with that is I think we can relate to the people in the Bible with our heart. Because the same heart that I have is the same heart that they had. And some of the things that they dealt with within their heart are things that we deal with today in our hearts. And God has these people in the Bible for us not to just know a bunch of cool stories, but I believe that there's some people in the Bible that God has there on purpose specifically for us that, we can, that they can be a mentor for us, that we can look at their life and they can challenge us through their lives. And I want to talk about a character in the Bible and uh, the, the story of Gideon. And there are so many different aspects of Gideon. There's so many great things about his life and things that he was able to accomplish. But tonight I really have on my heart just uh, three verses, three verses that we're going to kind of touch base with. And I really believe that God's going to show us some things um, here through this passage of Scripture. So are you guys ready tonight? You guys good? All right, cool. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We're going to look here the first two verses out of the three in verse 11 and 12. It says this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Asbrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, let me kind of back up a little bit and share a little bit of the history of this in case you don't know what's going on here. What's happening here is that Israel has kind of turned their backs on God. They're kind of doing their own thing. They're worshiping other gods, not following out what what God would want them to do. And so he kind of gives them over to the hand of the Midianites. Now the Midianites are coming in and they are destroying everything that the Israelites have. They are destroying their crops. They are destroying their cattle. They are taking things that they have. And they are really just trying to eliminate the Israelites. And you can imagine then at this point that the Israelites are scared. They're worried. They're fretful. They're they're hiding out. They're doing whatever they can to really self-preserve themselves. And so we find here Gideon, he's doing the work of a farmer. He's doing the work of a farmer. He's threshing wheat. And there's nothing really out of the ordinary about about that. That's kind of normal. But the, the, the part that we see that's out of the ordinary is that he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Because you have to understand, when, when in, in this time, we don't do this today. We go, to, we go to Publix and we buy a loaf of bread. But in this time, they had to get their own wheat, right? And so they, to thresh wheat, you normally go on a hillside somewhere. You find a place and, and a spot where the wind was kind of blowing. And you'd be able to, to thresh this wheat. And a lot of times they would use cattle. They would use um, poles. And they would even try to build some sleds. And people would sit on them. And they'd try to crush this wheat to get the, the beneficial part out of this wheat. And they would go in this hillside area, whereas in a wine press, normally that's kind of in a lower valley kind of area. Maybe the wind's not blowing as much. You see here that's kind of in a shaded area. It's in the, um, by the area where there's an oak tree. So it's kind of in this shaded area. And so you kind of see the, the two different spots here. And in, in this wine press, it's kind of more, uh, it's kind of the opposite of, of maybe the hillside where the threshing of the wheat would normally take place. It's in this kind of caved out, carved out stone area where it's kind of maybe hilled up a little bit, kind of bowled out a little bit. And normally what they would do is they put the grapes in there, right? And so they would step on the grapes and they, they, they'd get the, this juice to make wine and that kind of thing. And so we see that this wine press area is not the, the most ideal spot to thresh this wheat. But why is Gideon there? Gideon is there because he's driven by fear. In this area, he's, he's driven by fear. He's afraid that his food's going to be stolen. 
He's afraid that the Midianites are going to maybe perhaps take his life, maybe take the life of his family. He's afraid of losing the little bit that he had left. Gideon here, he's a mess. He's scared. He's, he's, he's out of his mind. Just He's afraid. And so he's doing whatever he has to do to self-preserve himself. So let me read this passage just one more time, kind of knowing the background and the history of where we're going here. Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Asbright, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. Again, right here we see that Gideon is scared out of his mind. Okay, so he's kind of freaked out in this area. Verse 12, it says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, so you guys know a little bit about the history about Gideon, right? The angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's got to be tripping out here. He's got to be kind of freaking out. It's like kind of going into shock. He is in fear of his life. He is trying to do whatever he can to stay on the low end. He does not view himself as a mighty warrior. He's like, hey, you must have the wrong guy. It, you, it's not me. Maybe it's, you know, the guy down the street or, or maybe, you know, it's the other person. Let me tell you, it's not me. I am not a mighty warrior. You are at the wrong address. You need to check your GPS and relocate and find out where you're supposed to be because it's not me. And so he's kind of going through this in his mind and you could imagine what that, what's happening there. In the Amplified Bible, it says this, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of fearless courage. But Gideon here, he's living in a state of worry. He's living in a state of fear. He's living in a state of hopelessness. He's living in a state of anxiety. Gideon is at the lowest point probably in his life, probably in years. Gideon's at that place. But the angel comes to him and says, mighty man of fearless courage. Why does he say that? Why does he say that? Well, the first point I want to talk about tonight is this. Take a note, you can write this down is that God sees our potential. God sees our potential. God right here, he saw more in Gideon than Gideon saw in himself. God God saw past his insecurities. God saw past his problems. God saw past his fear. God saw past his worry. God saw past that, and he called Gideon a mighty warrior. He called Gideon a mighty man of valor. Isn't that awesome? Why? He called him those things in the anticipation of his bravery to save Israel. In his anticipation. He may not have been there yet, but in his anticipation for his bravery to save Israel. He wasn't at that point yet, but listen to me. God saw his potential. His potential. Let me read to you a little bit about what potential is. Potential is this. It's someone or something capable of being or becoming a worthwhile possibility. Potential is someone or something capable of being or becoming a worthwhile possibility. I love it that God sees potential in us before really we even see it in ourselves. Gideon didn't see it himself, but God saw it in himself. Take, for example, an artist. Are there any artists in here tonight? Any artists? Besides just printing the printer, you know, off the computer. It's like, oh, I, I made this. Um, and a real artist who maybe paints, um, you give them a blank canvas and they see potential of what it could be. Um, you give somebody who's not an artist a blank canvas and they just see a white board. That's it. It's like, hey, it's a white board. That's great stuff. 
But you give a whiteboard, you give a blank canvas to someone who's an artist, that's someone that sees beyond the white canvas and sees the potential, and they can show you a masterpiece. Because they can't see it yet, but man, they, it's not there yet. It still may look white, but in their mind, in their heart, they can already see that it's a masterpiece. And I want you to know tonight that that's the way God sees you. That's the way that God sees me. Now let's, let's look real quick in verse 15, and we're going to see Gideon's response to the angel here. Okay, this is Gideon's response. All right, so the angel of the Lord just showed up in front of Gideon, right? And so he just said, hey, mighty man of valor. Here's Gideon's response. It says this, verse 15, but Lord, everybody say, but Lord. Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. The message Bible says, I am the runt of the litter. He does not see himself very well. I'm the runt of the litter. I am the lowest. You don't understand. I am in this wine press. I'm threshing wheat. You're telling me that, that I am a mighty warrior, but I am... I am the lowest of the clan. I am the lowest of my tribe. How can I rescue Israel? How could I do that? Gideon's thinking to himself, I'm the wrong person. Gideon's thinking to himself, I am not good enough for that. Gideon's thinking to himself, I am not strong enough to do that. So, hey, we're talking real life, right? Right? Well, I can really relate to this. I can really relate, even in my own personal life, and maybe you can relate to this as well. That as God begins or God would show you something big in your life, as God would begin to show you things to do in your life, as God would begin to show you maybe who you are and who you are becoming, and God would begin to tell you some things that he was wanting you to do in your life, and God's beginning to open up his word to you and say, hey, this and hey, that and hey, this thing's happening and that thing's happening. As God would begin to do that, the first thing that happens that has happened in my life is that my insecurities come to the top. And my insecurities come to the top. And they don't take days to get there, my insecurities. They take moments or even less than that, seconds. And even whatever is lower than a second, a millisecond or whatever it is. I'm not good at that kind of stuff. But whatever it is, my insecurities would rise to the top. And maybe you're in the same boat that I am. Your insecurities will come to the stop and then as fast as they could. And then I'm bombarded with these thoughts of you're not good enough. Bombarded with these thoughts of it will never happen. Bombarded with these thoughts of, you're not strong enough. Hey, you're the runt of the litter. <laughs> if you ever hear that, that's not good. <laughs> you get bombarded with these thoughts. And your insecurities right to the top. Let me talk a little bit about insecurity. Insecurity is this. It's the lack of confidence or assurance. It's self-doubt. Being anxious or afraid. It's not confident or certain. It's unstable or it's shaky. It's insecurity. And if you're human, at some point of your life, you felt insecure. If you're human, we think this is real life. This is things that we feel. But let me tell you, concerning Gideon right here, the devil knew exactly what button to press for Gideon. He knew exactly what button he could press to keep Gideon hiding in a wine press instead of being brave enough to save Israel. He knew exactly what button to push for Gideon. He, he knew exactly it was the insecurity button for Gideon. It was the button of, hey, Gideon, you're not good enough. Hey, Gideon, you're the wrong person. Hey, Gideon, you're the run of the litter. He knew exactly what button to push for Gideon. How many of you guys know we all have buttons? 
How many of you guys know there's a lot of people that try to push your buttons? Hopefully those people aren't next to you. We all have buttons. We all have things. We all have stuff that the devil would try to push. And let me tell you, the devil doing whatever he can to push those buttons. The devil's going to do whatever he can to magnify your weakness, to keep you defeated. This is, this is stuff that I've dealt with. These are things that the devil has tried to do towards me. And so I know he's doing it, trying to do it to all of us. But maybe you don't relate to, to getting in this element. Maybe you don't relate to the idea of insecurity, but maybe you relate just the idea of maybe the devil's trying to push a button for you. So let me list a couple ideas of buttons for us, okay? There's some well-known ones, and the, this first three are kind of in the well-known area. Alcohol, drugs, sexual issues. The rest of these we don't necessarily maybe hear about all the time, but things that we deal with on a day-in and day-out basis. Let me read a couple of these things and see if you relate to some of this. How about approval? Seeking the approval of others. Finding your value in what you do and not who you are, that you're a child of God. Seeking that kind of approval. How about pride? How about isolation? Now, let me break it down a little bit because I'm the small group pastor and I can't go without talking about small groups when I'm up here on the stage. So isolation, that's exactly why we're doing small groups so we don't feel isolated. The devil would try to isolate you to keep you by yourself. But there's a need inside of all of us to feel loved and feel connected. So that's why we're doing small groups, because life change happens in the context of relationship. Because we are better. Come on, church. That's good stuff. We're better together. We're not better alone. We're not better isolated. We are better together. And that's what small groups is all about. That's why we're doing those things. And just a really quick, just a testimony. I got to kind of scoot here, but... One of our small group leaders, she had, been, she had been running a small group. She's, she did a spring group. She's doing a summer group. Just has a heart for, for small groups. And she invited somebody to her small group who wasn't in church. Well, Pastor John, aren't small groups for people in church? Yes, they are. But we encourage our small group leaders that, hey, if, if God puts someone on your heart and they're not in church somewhere, man, invite them to your small group. Connect them. Then we tell our small group leaders, hey, help, them, help our people in our small groups to go from one step to the next step. And she, this, this individual was not in church. And this small group leader just reached out to her and reached out to her. Maybe she was kind of doing things on her own. But a couple of Wednesdays ago, we had a baptism night. You guys remember that? A couple of Wednesdays ago? We had a baptism night. And guess who shows up? This woman that this small group leader had been connecting to. And she, so, she shows up that night. And the Spirit of God just came upon her. And not only did she give her life to Christ for the connection of small groups, but she was crazy enough to spontaneously get baptized that same night. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Because of a connection in a small group. And let me just, let me just back up further than that. This small group leader, this small group leader was on the edge of even connecting in small groups in the spring. She was totally afraid. She was totally concerned if she would even be a good small group leader. There was, there was a moment that she decided, oh, she almost backed out of leading a small group, but she conquered that fear. She conquered those thoughts and jumped in to do that. And man, thank God that she did because life change is happening because she's not just ice, being isolated, but she is connecting to what God wants her to do. And that is awesome stuff. So a button could be isolation. What about this? What about comparison? What about comparison? Comparing yourself to others. Divorce or depression, addiction, jealousy, unforgiveness, 
fear, negativity, past hurts, past regrets, hurtful words, past childhood, excuses, a doctor's report, feeling worthless, feeling like a failure, being lazy, procrastination, or simply even just giving up on life. And we can go on and on, and every one of us could could share their button that maybe you feel, but here's the thing, guys. We all have buttons, and we all have to realize that the devil would try to do whatever he can to try to push, push those buttons, to try to push us in those, in those places. Let me tell you something, that where there's knowledge, there is power. And so we have to educate ourselves and find out what is that button for me? What is that thing for me the devil would try to throw at me to keep me defeated and not keep me in victory? What is that thing? What is that thing that we need to look at and find and acknowledge? And I think when we find out what that is and we search for what that would look like, we need to then begin need to, to set up boundaries. We need to build walls. We need to set up accountability to keep ourselves on guard for what the devil would try to throw at us to kill, steal, and to destroy us. And we just can't randomly walk through life and realize that, hey, the devil's going to try to throw insecurity at us. And like, well, I'm not going to do anything about it. Well, more than likely, you're going to feel insecure that day. We just can't randomly put it out there. You know, naval ships um, are powered with, you know, missiles and, and torpedoes and all, the, all that kind of ammunition and different things. They don't just put buttons for that stuff in the chow hall where people are getting their food and they're knocking in the stuff and stuff's blowing up all over the world. No, they don't do that. They keep things locked down. They keep it under a, a safety glass. They maybe have three or four or five different um, areas where they have a key or a fingerprint. So it's safeguarded. Let me tell you guys tonight, whatever that button is for you, whatever that thing that the devil try to throw at you to try to push for your life, to try to use to kill, steal, and to destroy you, you have to acknowledge what that is. You have to find out what it is and you got to lock it up and you got to be aware. And when you know that that person on your job is going to come towards you and they're going to push your buttons and you're going to, they're going to do that kind of stuff. When you know this situation over here or that situation over there and this family issue there, and that's going on here and this financial thing and, and this bill and that bill, when you know all these things are coming, you've got to be prepared and you've got to build yourself up with the word of God, with God's promises so that you're prepared. So that you're protecting yourself because the devil will do his job and his job is to kill, steal, and to destroy. But guys, listen, it's God's job to give life. And so we have to connect to that kind of life source. And let me give you just a few ways, a few areas, a few parts of a plan that has helped me over the years. These are simple. These are basic, but these I believe are going to help us tonight. First one is this, is to acknowledge your weakness. Acknowledge your weakness. Acknowledge your button. What is it for you? Why do I feel this way when this happens or that happens? Along with that, this is just real life. It's stop being fake about it. Remove the mask. Find someone to be honest with. It goes back to the whole isolation thing. Find someone to be real with. Connect with somebody. It goes back to small groups. Be part of that kind of community where you can sharpen each other and iron sharpens iron and have a a place to have a safe place to be able to share those things. First thing is this, to acknowledge your weakness. Acknowledge that button. The second thing is this, is to address the mess. Address the mess. You may feel even right now that, hey, you're in this wine press area. You're like Gideon. You're in this area where you're feeling defeated. You're feeling like the Midianites or you're feeling like whoever is coming and trying to attack you, trying to steal, trying to destroy your crops. Maybe you feel that way. 
Maybe you feel like you're in the wine press area. Maybe you feel stuck and unable to move. I want to encourage you tonight to do something. Mass in motion stays in motion to do something. Address the mess. A couple years ago, I had a very large dog, about a hundred pound dog. He was an outside dog. How many dog people out here tonight? All right, great. That's awesome, guys. How many cat people? All right, let's have a word of prayer for you guys right now. <laughs> I'm a dog kind of guy. I do have a cat, but it's not my cat. It's my wife's and my kid's cat. Um, we've got two dogs and a cat. That's, that's, our, that's our petting zoo. That's it. Um, I, used to, I, had, I had this uh, a big dog, a 100-pound dog. It was an outside dog. And, and before I went to bed one night a couple years ago, I went outside and opened the door and just called for the dog because you know, I didn't see him out there. And I called him, and he didn't come. And then I called him again, and, and he didn't come. So I went out in the backyard and started looking around. And behind my house, around, around the backside of my house, I, I, I walked over there, and then I, I snuck up on him. It was dark, and you know I saw him and um, whatnot. And after I saw him, I realized off to the side that the three garbage cans that I had neatly tucked in an area where my garbage cans normally would be tucked were not only distributed amongst my yard and all around my yard, but you have to understand, in this week of trash land at my house uh, was, a, uh, was a week where we had a lot of company. It was a week that it was a mon- Monday holiday, and so trash does not pick up on Mondays. And I, that's part of my thing, do the trash. I forgot on Thursday when it was trash day to put the trash out. So the trash here had piled up and piled up and piled up and had been baking in the sun. It's good stuff, fermenting um, with all that happiness going on in there and was just really nasty. And I guess my dog smelt that, wanted to go hang out with that and got into every one of my trash cans, ripped open every bag all over my yard. And I have to be honest with you, I never told my wife this, but there was a moment that I said, I can turn around right now and I can just go right back inside and leave early for work the next morning (laughs) and just... And just wait for a phone call that says, hey, hey, did you know that the dog destroyed all the trash? No, I had no idea. There was just a moment, just a moment. And so I manned up and I went back inside and got these, you know, the cute little yellow gloves. And I got those and went out there and picked up all this nasty garbage as I dry heaved and put it back into the garbage can. It was just disgusting. There's no real good way to say that. But the, the point, there is a point, and the point that I'm trying to make is that you got to address the mess. There's things in our lives, guys, that maybe are like that trash. Maybe they're, 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 they're nasty. They're, they're, they shouldn't be there. We need to take care of it. We need to look at it, acknowledge it, and do something about it. And the same things, if they're happening over and over again, and if we're having a problem with approval, if we're having a problem with depression, let's address it. Let's seek some godly counsel. Let's get into God's word. Let's hold on to some promises. Let's, let's get around other people that are going to help sharpen us and make us who God wants us to be. Amen? So the first idea is this, to acknowledge your weakness, that button, address the mess. And the third thing here is to take action. Take action to pursue God. Fight to make time with God because our life depends on it. Fight to make time with God. Schedule it, make it happen, carve it out. Do what we have to do to make time with God. Hebrews 12 talks about that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus, not looking to the left, not looking to the right, but keep, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Gideon, when he said this thing where he said, but Lord, I believe he was saying this idea of but Lord because Gideon saw his circumstances. 
Gideon saw just himself. He saw his own power. That's not what God wants us to, to see. God wants us to see him. God wants us to see his power. God wants to see he could turn our weakness into something great. Let me just leave you guys with a couple scriptures tonight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, this passage of scripture has really been an encouragement to me. It says this, But he said to me, My grace, my favor, and loving kindness and mercy is enough. Say, that, say enough. enough. Is enough for you, sufficient against any danger, and enables you to bear trouble manfully. For my strength and power are made perfect, made fulfilled and completed, and show themselves most effective, effective in your weakness. I love, I love, I love that he says that it's enough. It's enough. Wherever you are tonight, I want you to know that it's enough. God's mercy, his loving kindness and mercy is enough for you. John Bevere, he was here several months ago, but his definition of grace says this. It's God's empowerment that gives me the ability to go beyond my natural ability. One more time, let me read that to you. The ability to go beyond excuse me, God's empowerment to give me the ability to go beyond my natural ability. Let me give you another way to say that for tonight. The ability to go beyond the limitations I place on myself. Whatever that limitation is for you. Is it insecurity? Like Gideon? Is it this? Is it that? Is it that weakness? Whatever that maybe would look like for you. The ability to go beyond the limitations I place on myself. I don't know about you, but I believe that God wants us to get rid of those limitations, to be set free, to get out of that point and place that maybe we're in and to break out and do what he's called us to do. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's good stuff, man. I encourage you to, to put that, write that down, put it on your mirror, put it in your car, put it on your computer, whatever you got to do, put it on there. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Verse 12 again, let me just touch base on this as we get ready to close. It says this, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And I want you just to kind of make that personal for yourself tonight. The angel of the Lord appeared to Sean. The angel of the Lord appeared to Scott, to Kathy. Who, your name, put your name in there. The angel of the Lord appeared to Sean. And he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior of fearless courage. Tonight, I want you to be encouraged because God is with you and God sees your potential. God sees where you're going. You may not be able to see it there yet. You may, you may feel like you're back in that wine press still, but I want you to be encouraged tonight that God sees where you're going. He is calling you to do something great. He's calling you to greatness. I want you to remember this. Pastor Tim has been sharing this with us. You are never alone and you are never without hope. Amen. Amen. Did you guys get anything out of this tonight? Thank you so much.